How many people do you know that have said in Sunday school or read the Bible and people have prayed for them, but they continue to reject the truth of God? Just like these Pharisees. Just like all these religious leaders. See, a lot of times people have a lot of religion, but they have no relationship with God. And that's where people get confused. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Raul Reese in Diamond Bar, California. Returning to Mark's Gospel, Raul will lead us carefully to evaluate how we're representing Christ to a watching world. If you've developed religious habits that aren't grounded in a real relationship with Jesus, people will recognize it. Stay with us to see how you can influence others' spiritual lives for good or bad. With today's lesson, here's Raul. Tonight we have a tremendous lesson here in the Gospel of Mark chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 12. Now if you're a first timer here, or you just got saved, or you're a new believer, you should try to read through the Bible systematically. I try to read through the Bible twice a year, and a Mark Bible, go from Genesis to Revelation, do it twice. You can read the Bible in six months. And it's pretty neat because you set up a system of reading in the morning, in the afternoon, or even in the evening. So what I try to do is try to take in the morning and read uh, through the Old Testament, uh, maybe four or five chapters, and then a proverb, and also a psalm. And then on the evening, I like to go back and read in the New Testament. So at the same time as I'm reading through the Old Testament, I'm reading the New Testament. And it's kind of neat because when you read it, and you reread it, you begin to learn the stories and, and the cross-references to the Bible. And then you get a pretty good knowledge of the Bible, what it says when people ask you for an answer. And so here we have now Jesus as a servant prophet. Now, he's coming to the end of his life, the end of his ministry now. He's entered Jerusalem. We were in chapter 11 where Jesus came to the temple and he cleansed the temple. The guys that were there at the temple, they were ripping off the people. They were literally charging for the sacrifices that the people were coming to give willingly to the Lord. They would bring a lamb or a turtle dove or a pigeon. And when they would come to the priesthood, the priest would look at the turtle dove or the lamb. And the lamb was actually the sacrifice of the rich. The lamb was always for the rich and yet... If you couldn't afford a sacrifice and you were poor, then you can buy a dove or a turtle dove. That would be literally the offering of the poor. That's what Mary and Joseph gave as an offering to the Lord because they were poor when they came to the temple. And it's pretty incredible because when you study the sacrifices and you watch Jesus, these priests had something going with Caiaphas, the high priest. And literally what they were doing is they were taking the lambs and they were saying, well, you know, your lamb has a little blemish here. We can't accept it. Or your dove or your turtle dove or your pigeon. So what you have to do, you have to buy a pigeon or a turtle dove or a lamb from us. And we'll give you 40% off. But literally they were taking 40% off the people and ripping them off. 
And they were splitting the money between themselves. And that's why Jesus got so angry. And he got a cord, remember? And he started whipping people out of the temple. It seems that whenever any church or any ministry begins to not only lord it over the people, but begin to rip off the people of God, God will judge that church. And Jesus became angry with the people. They were there. The priests, the Sadducees, and the Pharisees were there. And they were constantly ripping the people off. And so he went in and he cleaned the temple out. Now they are mad and they're after Jesus and they want to kill him. They don't like him at all. In chapter 12 now what Jesus does is he's going to give them a parable. Now a parable, uh, there are parables in the New Testament, especially in the Gospels. And the parable is literally a story that Jesus will tell to speak of a truth in the gospel. That is, these people were farmers. So he's going to use a parable, a story that can relate to the people of that time. And that is concerning farming. So he starts in chapter 12 verse 1 with a parable. This is now Tuesday, the last week on the earth before he dies. And so now Jesus has had it with the religious leaders. And this is what he says to them. Then he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it and dug a place for the wine bed and built a tower and he leased it to the vine dressers and he went into a far country. Notice the parable. The vineyard is the nation of Israel, and it's found in Isaiah chapter 5, when God spoke to the prophet Isaiah, concerning the nation of Israel. Turn with me for a second to Isaiah chapter 5. Listen to what he says. This way you have cross-references when you're going through the Bible. Isaiah chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. He says, Now let me sing... To the, my well-beloved, a song to my beloved regarding his vineyard. You see, he's talking about Israel. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He dug it up and cleared out its stones and planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in its midst and also made a wine press of it. That's what Jesus is talking about. You see? He's making the cross-reference to the nation of Israel when God brought His judgment upon the nation of Israel because of their inconsistencies, because of their idol worshiping. So Isaiah chapter 5 is in reference now to the nation of Israel. Go back now to the book of Mark chapter 12. Let's look at the whole parable. He says, A man planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, he dug a place for the wine vat and built a tower. And then he leased it to the vine dressers and he went into a far country. Now, what he's saying here is that the vineyard is a nation of Israel. And the men who planted that vineyard is who? God the Father. You see? God the Father. Then, when he talks about leasing the actual vineyard, to who? To the vine dressers. He's talking about who? The vine dressers are the religious leaders of the time of Jesus. He's talking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Those who hated him. The parable is against them. Against them. What they have done 
against God. So here in verse 2, look what he says to them. Now at vintage time, he sent a servant to the vine dressers, and he might receive some of the fruit of the vineyard from the vine dressers. What does he mean by that? Well, if you look at the Old Testament, what did God do? God sent Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, and Hosea, and Haggai, and all of the prophets of the Old Testament. And what did they do to them? Many of them, they killed them. Rejected them. You see? He's talking about the nation of Israel killing their own people. Because of religion. Because they would not receive the knowledge of the truth. They rejected the knowledge of the truth. And what did they do? God sent the prophets to warn them. And they killed them. They had a hardening of hearts. So look what he says. And now at this time again, he sent servants to the vine dresser. That he might receive some of the fruit of the vineyard from the vine dressers. And usually they would receive about 50% of the vineyard. Verse 3. And they took him, and they beat him, and they sent him away empty-handed. Talking about the persecution of the prophets. They didn't receive it. Verse 4. And again, he sent them another prophet. And at him, they threw stones, they wounded him in the head, and then sent him away shamefully treated. Notice that. And then again, he sent another And him they killed, and many others, and they beat them, and some even killing some of them. Now can you imagine the grace of God? He continues to send the prophets, and yet they don't believe. That's why it's so cool what God says in the Word of God. There is not one person in this world that is not guilty before God. Everyone's accountable. Because of the light that they have received from the knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every time God would extend His arm of grace and love and mercy to His people, His people would actually reject Him. Even in the Old Testament. They disobeyed the word of God. And because they disobeyed the word of God, what Israel was supposed to do, and what's the battle today between America and Israel? No, Israel and America against who? The Arab world. Why? Because the Arabs hate Israel. Interesting. Israel's been a problem from the beginning of time. They're God's people. It's their land that God gave to them. Through Abraham, he told them that in the book of Genesis chapter 12. It's so important that we understand that God here is talking against those spiritual leaders of the time. They were not only trying to get the grace and mercy of God, but they willfully rejected His love and grace and mercy. And they persecuted and they killed those that God sent. They didn't want to hear it. Look what else he says. Verse 6. Therefore, because of this, Still having one son, his beloved, he also sent him to them, last saying, they will respect my son. Who do you think that is? Jesus. You see? I send my prophets, I send my apostles, and I'm going to send my son, and they're going to what? Respect him? No, they're going to kill him. He thought, man, if I send my son, they'll respect him. He's my son. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. 
Visit us anytime at somebodylovesyou.com or call us at 800-634-9165. For timely insights to stay in step with Christ, you can also catch Straight Talk with Rawl on his YouTube channel, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. West Coast time. Now let's get back to more of today's lesson. Look what he says. Therefore, still having one son, his beloved, he also sent him to the last saying, and then will respect my son. But those, here the religious leaders of the vine dressers said, Hey, among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. Notice that. If we kill him, hey, we get it all. Notice that. Here Jesus is speaking of what's going to happen to him. What's already happened to him. They already rejected him. And eventually they're going to kill him. In one week's time, he will die. At the hands of the religious leaders that hated Jesus Christ. And then he said, verse 8, And so they took him, and they killed him, and they cast him out of the vineyard. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do? Can you imagine that? What is God the Father going to do because you killed his son? Heavy question. Think about that. What's going to happen to those that rejected Jesus Christ and were there at the crucifixion and they mocked him and they laughed at him and they cursed him? On the day of judgment, those people will stand in great judgment by the Father. Why? Because the first time Jesus Christ came, and today, up to today, He's come with God's love and God's grace and God's mercy. The first time He came, but the second time He comes, He's coming as an angry, wrathful God to judge. It's pretty heavy. When you think of all the population of the world that today reject Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, that one day they're going to die they're going to go to hell, and after hell, they will set the white throne judgment of God, and God is going to open the books, and they're going to be judged, and that their names are not written in the book of life, they will be cast out into out of darkness forever and ever and ever from God. But not so to those that believe in Jesus Christ. Pretty heavy. So here he's unfolding the parable, verse 9 again. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. Notice that he's prophesying now. What is he saying? The Jews rejected me. I want to give the gospel to who? To the Gentiles. You see? There it is right there in the parable. Pretty interesting. And that's what happened. The Jews rejected him. We got the gospel. The Jews have been blind for a long time, but the Jews, one more time, they'll get another opportunity. In the seven-year tribulation, God will give them one more opportunity to be saved. And only two-thirds of the Jews will die, and one-third only will survive the Holocaust by the Antichrist. And God will spare them and put them away for the last three and a half years of world tribulation in the city of Petra over the other side of Jordan. And He will protect them and watch over them into the second coming of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, every Jew would be killed. But God has a remnant of people that He loves. You see? Here He's prophesying concerning the vineyard and concerning those that He'll give the gospel to the Gentiles. Verse 10. 
And then he says, have you not even read the scriptures? Notice, you guys are the teachers. You read the Pentateuch. You read Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. You go to the book of Joshua and Judges and Ruth, Samuel, Kings. And you go on to Chronicles and so on and on and on. Through the whole Bible, you read the Psalms, you read the Proverbs. And yet, you don't know what they say. The scriptures in the Old Testament. There was no New Testament yet. Only Old Testament scriptures. He says, and don't you guys study? Don't you know what the scriptures say? What do they say? Look what he says. Out of Psalm 118.1. He says, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Who's he talking about? He's talking the stone is who? Jesus Christ. He's the rock of my salvation. Remember when Moses was in the wilderness? And he was coming to the end of the wilderness experience. And he had three million people with him. And they were murmuring and complaining. And this is the second time they're thirsty. And they said, Moses, we're thirsty. We want water. And he got so upset and irritated with them. That he went up to talk to God behind this rock. And the Lord told him, hey, Moses, what's that in your hand? He said, it's a staff. What I want you to do, Moses, I want you to go back out there. And I want you not to use the staff. I want you to go to the rock. And I want you to speak to the rock. And say, rock, bring forth water. That's all I want you to do, Moses. Okay. He went outside. And he saw the people. And he got irritated with them. He says, you rebels, you want water? I'll give you water. And he took the staff and hit the rock once, hit the rock twice, and the water came forth. He says, now go ahead and drink. And a small voice said, Moses, I need to talk to you. Come into my office. (laughs) And Moses went behind the rock. And God said, now Moses, did I say, speak to the rock, or did I say, beat the rock? You're not too good at hearing, Moses. He says, I got to tell you something, Moses. Because you did not listen to my instruction and you didn't follow instructions, and you went out there and you were yelling and screaming, and you were angry, you first of all have misrepresented me to the people of God as an angry God when I was never angry with the people. And because you misrepresented me as an angry God, I got to tell you, Moses, you can't go into the promised land. You're going to die on this side. How many times you and I misrepresent God to people? By the way we live. By the way we act. If Moses wasn't able to cross to the other side, what do you think God will do with us if we continue to misrepresent Him? When He is a holy God. Moses was punished. Moses was chastened. And Moses died on the other side. He only got to see from Mount Pisgah. He went up and he looked at the promised land, but he never crossed over to the other side. Only Joshua did. That rock was Jesus Christ that he beat. Jesus Christ was only smitten once, not twice. You see? Once, not twice. So Moses misrepresented God as if God was angry with the people. And when the people saw that, they thought, man, God's angry with us. No, it was Moses. And Moses, as a leader, had to be rebuked and had to be punished. You see? So we need to be careful how we represent God. To our families, to our friends, to our employers, employees. Wherever we are, people are watching your life. 
And what are we? We are representatives of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are Christians, Christ-like. You see? That's what a Christian means. Christ-likeness. That's what we represent. The Lord Jesus Christ. Look what else he says. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. And they sought to lay hands on Jesus, but feared the multitude, for they knew that he had spoken a parable against them, and so they left him and went away. Did you notice what he said there? He says, at the end of everything, what did they do? They knew that he had spoken the parable against them. What does that mean? They willfully rejected the truth. They knew, but yet rejected it. How many people do you know that have sat in Sunday school or read the Bible and people have prayed for them, but they continue to reject the truth of God? Just like these Pharisees, just like these Sadducees, just like all these religious leaders. See, a lot of times people have a lot of religion, but they have no relationship with God. And that's where people get confused. Because how many times people that are religious really do uh, misrepresent God in their actions? When you really have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're always aware in your mind and your heart, hey, I have to be careful what I say, what I do. Why? Because I am a representative of Jesus Christ. I can make you stumble. You can make me stumble as a child of God. That's why I have to be careful with my liberties. There are some things that I can never do and some things that I can do. I have to be careful what I say and what I do. Why? Because I represent Jesus Christ. And there might be a weaker brother that might think, you know, what I'm doing is wrong. So if he thinks that, how can I do it? I can't. That's why Paul in Corinthians talks about eating meat and drinking wine, and all these things. If your brother is weak, and you eat meat, or you drink wine, in Corinthians, he says, what do you do? You stumble him. I'd rather not eat meat, and not drink wine, and do nothing, and just be a light to my brother, so that my brother doesn't get stumbled. You see? And so I have to be very careful what I do. Why? Because if I was an alcoholic person, if I had problems with alcohol, can you imagine, I'm going to go witness in bars to people. Well, you're only tempting yourself. Or drugs. Or whatever it may be. God delivered you from that. Why should you go back to it like the dog that goes back to its own vomit? You see? Why tempt God when He's already taking you out of that filthy life? Go back to it again. We have to live holy lives. Separated to God. We hope you've been challenged by today's reminder that as Jesus' representative, the testimony of your life can powerfully influence others on their own spiritual walk. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. If you'd like to review today's lesson, we'll send you an unedited copy for a donation of $5 or more. Just call 800-634-9165 and ask for Raul's lesson from Mark chapter 12. To help strengthen your witness, we'd also like to tell you about an insightful guidebook titled Victory, Overcoming Our Enemies. This resource draws connections between Rawls' Vietnam War experience and the spiritual battlefield to show you how you can recognize and counteract Satan's attacks. 
you'll find that by spending daily time with God, you'll become better equipped to endure trials and withstand temptation. Visit SomebodyLovesYou.com or call 800-634-9165 to order Rawls' book titled Victory, Overcoming Our Enemies. We'll send your copy for a gift of $14 plus shipping and handling. Our number once again is 800-634-9165. Or you can write us at Somebody Loves You Radio, P.O. Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. Once again, that's Somebody Loves You Radio, Post Office Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. We're here to enrich your faith with God's Word, and we value your feedback on how we're doing. Let us know how we can best serve you. We'd also encourage you to take advantage of all of our free Bible-based resources. For an easy devotional reading plan, digital Bible studies, and a direct link to our online store, download our app to your iPhone or Android. For more of Rawls Bible-based teaching, use iTunes or Spotify to download a podcast of any of these programs to review at your convenience. You can also visit us online at somebodylovesyou.com to subscribe to Rawls' daily devotional emails. And don't forget to connect with us on Instagram and Facebook. Our goal is to edify believers and share the gospel with the lost. Your tax-deductible donations help us fulfill that mission and continue broadcasting the life-changing message of the gospel. You can make a donation anytime by calling 800-634-9165. Join us next time for more from Mark's Gospel. Exploring Jesus' eye-opening insights into the world's last days, you'll see how vital it is to know the truth of God's Word so you won't be deceived by false doctrine that will become increasingly widespread. That's next time on Somebody Loves You Radio. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.